I am recording. I'm going to potentially podcast this for people who either aren't here or who want to hear it. But to, uh, today is how to read a Shakespeare play brief review, and then how to watch a Shakespeare play, how to watch a Shakespeare play. Okay? So let's jump into that. All right, how to watch a Shakespeare play and how to read one. Let's review briefly. When you read Shakespeare this fall, right? When you read it, what are some tips that you got yesterday? Yeah. Read it out loud. Read it out loud. What else? Come on, let's go. In jamming. Look up words. Look up words. In jamming, which is? Reading. Using the punctuation. Hey, 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 hey. Which is? Reading with the punctuation Thank and you. emphasis. Emphasis and punctuation. Nice job. What else? Enthusiasm. Yeah, get some enthusiasm and emotion. Visualize it. Get your imagination going. If you need to literally visualize it, watch it, right? What else? Annotate. 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 Take notes. Underline. You, you know, draw all over this stuff. Physically get involved with the text. Partain. Oh. Teething. Watch it, but be careful. Watch it, but be careful. Thank you for the be careful. Watch it, but be careful. Figuratively drive through the text. Yeah, drive it. Drive through it. Get some motion. Move through it. Have fun with it. Maybe have fun. Get not maybe. <laughs> Throw in some accents. Alright, these are people who have accents. They're from places on the planet. I would encourage you to get up, move around. Most of the lines that you're reading were not said sitting in a chair. Most of them. Some were. But a lot of them were not said sitting down. Alright, good. Any others on the list that you have right now? All right, let's just be exhaustive then. Ready? Grab as much help as you can. Help is not bad. It's not cheating to read a summary. It's not cheating to read a modern translation. It's not cheating to get Pink Monkey Spark Cliff notes, right? None of that's cheating. What I don't want you to do is like only read the summaries and not read the real thing. Like, what are you doing, <laughs> right? So read the original and then get all the other stuff to help you. Got it? Again, just so you know, that's what I do. And I'm the teacher, so <laughs> it's not cheating. I'm not trying to get you to have to read Shakespeare all by yourself, like whatever. No, we just want to understand the story and learn what we can. So uh, a lot of people like the SparkNote version where you have the old and the new on either side of the page. That can be really, really helpful. Again, just don't miss out on the original. All right. Um, oh, grab a buddy or two or three or four and share up the names and read it in a group so you're actually sharing all the voices that can be really fun i get a little tear in my eye every now and then when i see in the senior lounge a little group with like five texts and they're all reading out loud mm. i hear a little laugh over there yeah, let's do it so great it's super fun it's really period. 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 look at the love right there that's gonna be beautiful all right um a couple last things that i want to give you with Shakespeare reading. I'm going to end on this, and we've got a nice big list there. Everybody got that? Here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to either or, like not or, but either read it in the Oxford text, read it, and don't look at any notes. Just read through it, just read through it, underline it, questions, underline, and kind of just don't stop because you'll chop it all up. Does that make sense? So just read it. And like, okay, what? Oh, I just read? And then go back and then do what? Read it. Uh, wait a second. Sir Fighting. Oh, down there. Because if you look at your Oxford notes, they've got what at the bottom? 
all these great scholarly notes from Oxford professors and Oxford people on what Shakespeare means. Good idea or bad idea? <laughs> great idea. You have to look at every note. You can. I do. It's kind of fun. You learn all this great stuff. I read. So then chop it up by looking at the notes and looking up words and doing that kind of stuff. Or do what? Read it. Look at a note. Look at a note. Look up a word. Look up a well. Look, like chop it up as you read, and then go back through, and then do what? Just read it. Either one. I'm not going to presume which one's best for you, uh, but that does mean when I assign homework, I will assume that you've read everything at least what? Twice. Twice. Now we're talking Shakespeare, okay? And then we'll probably talk about it again in class. And then we're going to do what? Watch it. Watch it. And for Twelfth Night, we're going to read and then watch. Read, watch. Read, discuss, watch. Got it? For Henry, the f Henry V, my brother from another mother. Let's, little ripple for Lehman. Come on, little ripple. I, I love that guy. I do. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, for Henry V, we're going to watch, and then I'm going to assign your homework to read it. Then we'll watch a clip, and then you go home and read it. Does that make sense? So we'll do both. And then for Hamlet, I'm going to get seven of the Hamlet movies, and we're just going to watch a bunch of different versions of them while you read it. So, I'll get so all three experiences will be different. Okay? We good? How to watch a Shakespeare play. This stuff was meant to be seen. Okay? So what you get to do is you act one, two, three, four, five. I put five circles, and then I've got three little bullet points for you. I should probably pull out my notes. I don't know where they are, actually. I don't think I need. Oh, yeah, here they are. So by the end of this, this is what your sheet could look like, all right? Uh, this is perfect for emojis. I'll probably have someone make an emoji thing. But like, ah, crazy face, huh? Like, uh, happy face. Ah, another crazy face, but in a good way. And like, half your face is crying, and half your face is sad over here. So you get to draw faces either in your book, because you don't want to lose this, and then you've got it in Twelfth Night, or on that sheet of paper, or in your journal, or awesome, wherever you want to write this play. I do want you to interact and draw faces and take some notes, okay? I've been teaching that ever since Shakespeare Theater, when they asked me to help high school students understand this all throughout Chicago, I said, I haven't seen anybody help someone how to just experience the play. Because those who were there, who were there for, uh, who was there on Friday or Saturday, right? The first half hour is a little crazy, and you're kind of lost. And then you kind of figure out who's who, and you kind of get the plot. And then, during the garden scene, when they're talking about them, and they're, like, it's hysterical, because then you finally know what's going on. And then most authors kind of drop it down to a conclusion, but does Shakespeare drop it down? No, of course not. No, he takes it into the stratosphere. <laughs> and then it's even crazier at the end. You're like, what is going to happen? And then he's got 20 minutes at the end where he kind of pulls it all together, kind of, right? Right? Are we tracking? Who has seen that with a Shakespeare play or a Shakespeare movie or experienced that? Is it, there's, it's an actual experience that you're going through. And so what I did with Shakespeare Theater is I we worked together and we normalized that experience. So I talked with the actors and I talked with the directors there and, and some of them were like, yeah, 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 I think that really works well for high school students. I mean, it could work for anybody, obviously. So let's just do that real quick. 
Fair enough. Now, I'm going to talk about Act 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Every Shakespeare play has five acts. Okay? And I have learned from my studies that he's doing some very intentional stuff during each of those acts, generally speaking. Okay? So, Act 1 through 5 up on the faces is how you might feel emotionally, how you're going to feel. Down here, I've got some bullet points for you. What you should look for, because what, what is Shakespeare doing in those scenes? Everybody set, go? Yeah. Right. Act one is draw your best crazy face. Ah, right? Your hair is kind of going crazy. You're like, you're not angry, but you're like, you're confused. You're like, whoa. I don't know you can write, whoa, WHO, whoa. You can, like, the question might here be like, what is going on? Right? So act one is, ah, right? I like to call a Shakespeare play a really big party. Think Gatsby, right? We're like, party time when you go to a Shakespeare play. So it's a party, right? And ready? When you go to, if you've never been to a big party, especially if you were invited to, by the way, you're going to need to write what I say, not what I write, because my handwriting's illegible. So, but. It's like going to a big party, and if I were invited to a big party, when I got there, I'd be like, hey, I'm a, a nephew. Quick, nice to meet you. I got, I just met quick first impressions. Nice hair, beautiful face, good smile. Oh, what a beautiful He's kind of a doodler there, and you know, he's looking good. Good countenance, first impressions. Come over here. Hi, Matthew. Nice to meet you, Haley. Kind of a gentle spirit, lovely hair, cool glasses, nice smile, little calmer disposition. Uh, just if I, right? I'm gonna get what every time. I'm, first impression, Rose. Look at that. Woo! I love it. Rose is like ex exuberant and you know it's colorful and different hair thingies and fun round glasses. <laughs> like right? You're gonna get your first impression. What is Shakespeare gonna do in Act One? Give you what? All your first impressions of the characters, right? And those of you who started Twelfth Night, you've got Orsino. If music be the food of love, play on. I want so much love, I get sick of love. Come on, play the music louder. Play. Oh, no, no more music. Done. I'm done with you. What the heck is up with this dude, <laughs> right? And then you got Viola. Splash washes up on shore. She just survived a shipwreck. Hey, friends, where are we? And you're like. We just survived the shipwreck, and you call on all these sailors friends, and you're like, what What adventure do we have next? Oh, my brother might be dead. Oh. Like, you're just getting all these first impressions. Toby, you're going to meet Toby. His name is Belch. Toby Belch, he probably got a bottle at 9 in the morning. He's probably drunk, and he says, what a plague means my niece to take the death of her brother thus. Like, my niece who I'm mooching off of, is crying over her dead bro, and that's ruining my day. Okay, like what kind of guy jerk is that, right? First impressions, right? And you're gonna get Romeo, who's walking in with a love letter to Rosaline, and he's all in love, right? And you get Mercutio, you get all these, you know, biting thumbs at each other, you're getting all these first impressions, and do you have to catch everything they're saying. No, because actually, can you? No way, right? Like, 
And, and during the play, when you're watching, they're like, "Hey, I said all those lines, but did you did you catch everything I said? Because I can say them again for you. Like, are they gonna do that? They're gonna go 120 miles an hour, and they're not gonna stop. So, what can you do for the first half hour of the play? Okay, crazy lovesick dude. Okay, survivor girl, dude, she's awesome. Okay, drunk jerk uncle. Okay, okay, we're good, right? You got Macbeth. Macbeth comes in and he's chopping his way through the enemy, gets to the dude, sticks his sword in his belly, unseams him, chops off his head, he's like, yeah! and you're like, holy crap, who's that dude? Right? Like, okay, Macbeth, nice to meet you, Macbeth. You're like, well, put the dagger away. Okay. So, ready? Act one, intro. You're looking for all the intros. Just get to know the characters. Look for their first lines, okay? Themes. Look for the themes in the Shakespeare play. Has anybody here ever gone to a party that was a themed party? And you went to the raw, you brought the wrong theme? Has any, who's seen, uh, you wanna share or not share? Yeah, 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 it's just a bummer, right? Yeah. Has anybody seen, the, what's the one with the, the totally, Legally Blonde? Legally blonde. Yeah. She shows up in the funny yeah. thing. I love it, she just like, she just owns it and goes for it. She's like, yeah, you go, girl. Right? But it's like, if you go to a party that's after a funeral, there's a certain theme there, right? Like, you don't want to go with the wrong theme. You go to the Hawaiian luau party, but you're dressed as a cowboy. It's like, it's okay, you can make that work. But you wanna find the theme. What is Twelfth Night about already? And we haven't even really started. Love, love. love. we already know, it's gonna be a love, this is a love party. It's gonna love share. <laughs> and it's gonna be, it's gonna be a play about love. It's gonna be a play about drunkenness. It's gonna be a play about family. You're kinda of catching the theme. Macbeth, <laughs> there's a certain theme there, <laughs> you know. Death and killing and, and ambition. Romeo and Juliet, what's the party? Long it's a tragic love party. Right? Long, like families are fighting. Right? And then props. Always look for the props in the opening half hour of a Shakespeare play. Romeo's carrying a what? A love letter, right? He's carrying a love letter <laughs> and a sword. <laughs> but he's got a love letter. Right? Macbeth's got a what? Dagger. Toby's going to have a bottle. Right? You're going to have a ring. You're going to have these little props that you'll see reoccur throughout the play. I think the letter is a big one, because in Romeo and Juliet, in Act 4, he misses a really important letter, doesn't he? From Friar Chocolate. Or I don't say Friar Chocolate. Right? Like, so you gotta, you look for some of the props, and that'll kind of cue the story. We good? So Act 1. Mm -hmm. okay? All right, Act 2. You kind of got that face. It's like, here, everybody give you like, ready? It's the, huh? Everybody, one, two, three. Huh? It's that, like, I, I'm confused, but I think I know what's going on, maybe. It's that, yeah, that one eye, one eye with the eyebrow up, and one eye over here, and your hair is kind of coming down, but some of it's still crazy. Okay, so act two, ready? Act two is where you will get your Plot. You also get your subplot. Alright, and then actually there's a few more characters. More characters that you're gonna get. Okay, so it says plot, subplot, and then more characters. The extras who are still part of the story, but you didn't want to get confused with at the beginning. 
Okay? Think about it, Romeo and Juliet. You got Romeo, you got the friar, you got the capitalists and the Montagues and all that stuff, and they got all these lines, and they're biting thumbs at each other, and there's three swords, and it's hot, and the families are fighting. And then, wait, when does Romeo fall in love with Juliet? At the party. At the party in Act 2. Right? We got it? When do they really start fighting? Act 2, subplot. See what's going on? And then we get a few more of those characters that we introduced. Macbeth and his wife kill the king when? Act two, they kill the king. Are we tracking? Okay. Why does Shakespeare save the plot till act two? Yeah, because if he gave it in act one, and you're like, wait, I went at the old language, and they're going so fast, and who was that, and what, who, what, and what, ah, and the plot, and ah, whatever, right? You give up. So the genius of Shakespeare gives you the plot in act two, so that you can hopefully catch it a little more uh, smoothly. Fair enough? We good? I'm gonna shut the door. With the blood, the subplot, you're gonna have in Twelfth Night, Arsino and Viola and Sebastian and Olivia and this crazy love quadrangle. Subplot is when you've got Malvolio, a crummy servant, who loves himself, but actually has a crush on Olivia. And Toby and his clan, who want to prank Malvolio and make fun of him. Is that the main plot? No. no it actually could be, because it's Shakespeare, but it's not. <coughs> the main plot is the love quadrangle up here. Are we tracking? Midsummer Night's Dream, anybody? The main plot, all the lovers are out there, and then they go into the woods, and they all fall in love, and the fairies mess with him, and then you've got the subplot, which is a super famous subplot, with those guys who want to put on the play for the king and the rude mechanicals are in the forest and it's hysterical and it's a donkey and all that kind of stuff, right? So plot and subplot. All sitcoms do plot and subplot. Everybody's seen Friends or Seinfeld or whatever. All those sitcoms are super famous because they do plot and subplot. Most great movies have a main plot with all these subplot characters that support them. Got it? Keep going? Okay, so plot, subplot, more characters. All right, act three. Everybody just go, uh, one, two, three. Ah. Okay, one, two, three. Ah. You can write that up here. Ah. Mm. And give your best, I'm relaxed state. Your hair's doing that little, you're doing good. Okay? And uh, act three, we get the climax. Yes, we actually do get the climax. We get clarity, okay? And we get a retelling. Climax of the story, clarity, and a retelling. So Shakespeare's gonna do this with plot structure, and he'll start out the story, plot, and then boom, he gets you to the climax. And you're in the middle now, and now you've got Romeo and Juliet, they're married, right? And, oops. Note to self, don't kill your new wife's cousin. <laughs> Dink. Now the plot is crazy now because they're getting married. We've got it, and then he kills. Oh, no, but is that the climax, really? No, because what happens later? We're still gonna figure it out, right? Thank you, Friar Lord. But so the climax is they get married, and then he kills, and then he gets banished. Oh, tragic, right? Macbeth, climax. Macbeth's on the throne now, and actually the opening of Act Three for Macbeth. Thou hast it now. 
King counter gloms all just as a crazy witch is promised. What does Banquo do? <laughs> Gives you a what? A retelling just in case you what? Wait, are we done with? No. Okay. No. What? <laughs> just in case you miss the plot, what does Shakespeare do because he loves you? He tells it. He retells it. He'll have someone He's come in. <laughs> he has a a messenger at the end of Act Three. Oh my goodness, did you guys hear? Romy got married to Juliet, and then he killed the cousin, and then he got banished. <gasps> and what's the whole audience now? <gasps> oh, okay. oh, yeah, I knew that, of course. Right? Like, and so he'll, he'll do a retelling with someone. Wait till you see the retelling in Twelfth Night. It's really unique. It's really interesting. So climax, clarity on the story. You now know what's going on. You know who Romeo is. You know who Juliet is. You know, you know, you know, you know. You know who ba you know. You know Banquo and Macbeth. And you know the characters. You know what's going on. And right, that middle garden scene in uh, Much Ado is your the whole. I my nine year olds were laughing at it. like they were loving it because they had stuck with it and they got it and it's clear at that point the story is clear. So ready? This is part of why I'm doing what we're doing right now. When are you finally feeling happy in a Shakespeare play? Feeling comfortable and happy. Act, act three. If Shakespeare play is three to four hours long, when are you finally feeling pretty good about this? Half one. Which is what? From a three, a three hour play is what? An hour and a half to when you finally feel pretty good about this. When do most modern audiences give up on Shakespeare? I'm not kidding. Act 20 minutes in, they're like, this is dumb, I can't follow it, lame. They give up. They really do. I, I was, during my internship, uh, the Tempest, I helped, you know, I, I helped with all the Tempest stuff, and I would sit up in the catwalk, and I would watch the audience, and you could tell. Bunch of them would start pulling their phones out, or they flip through the thing, or they have to go to the parents, or they just they just kind of they gave up because they were confused in a half an hour. But the ones who hung in there for an hour, by the end, they're like, "This is insane!" Yeah, like this is awesome, right? The nice thing is, that if you do check out, but you're you're stuck in the theater, he'll at least do a what? A retelling. <laughs> so there you go. So tell your friends to like hang in there. Hey, you guys, we're gonna spend four weeks on Twelfth Night. When might you start finally feeling pretty good about Twelfth Night? Two weeks. Uh, two weeks for six weeks. Nice. Two weeks in. So next week during Act One and Two, when you kind of Mr. Ming is totally lost in Shakespeare class, I don't understand Twelfth Night. I'm all confused. I'm like, do you know some of the names? Do you know some of the themes? Do you know the basic plot? Have you been reading? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's normal. Yeah. Like that's right. You're right where you're supposed to be. Next week, let me know if you're still lost. The week after that, we'll be able to tell, right? But if you give Shakespeare the time, and, the, and if you give him the attention, don't worry. He's 400-year-old famous. Will he pull it off for you? Yeah. What I don't want is everybody to give up here in a week or in a day or during Act 1. Everybody raise your hand. Ready? Repeat after me. I promise, I promise not to give up, not to give up on Shakespeare, on Shakespeare. Ever. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so ready? Set act four. Woo-hoo! You can be like, yeah!
Shakespeare. Whoa! This is the ah, this is the whoa in the good way. Your uh, your hair's all crazy again. You got the big smile. You're loving it, right? Because here's what Shakespeare does. He takes that action, and instead of doing the traditional, I've got to round it off because I'm a normal author. Who is it? He'll launch it into the stratosphere. Like the dude's crazy what he does in that four. I mean, if you add that kind of twist and tension to a story, you have to be able to do what as an author? <laughs> you gotta be able to lay if you take that plane up that high, you've got to be able to land the plane too. Which he can, which is super cool. Right? So in act four, here's what you're looking for. You're always gonna get action. Action, action, action. You're gonna get intrigue. What's intrigue mean? Interested. Interested. It's intriguing. And then the last thing you will always get it. Shakespeare's famous for it. And most authors post Shakespeare, you're, you're crazy not to put a twist in. Right? This is, I didn't see it coming. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. Ooh, oh, hey. <laughs> like that, that wasn't supposed to happen. So you will always get a twist. Actually, with Shakespeare, you'll probably get two or three. <laughs> Those of you who know Shakespeare, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Twist, 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 twist. Right? So twist the twist. Right? Mm -hmm. So he'll, he'll launch it up. So action will come. Ready? Romeo's banished. Action. We're going to, ready? Drink the potion. You'll go into the thing. You'll pretend like you're dead. I'll send a letter to him. He'll get the letter. He'll come. He'll meet you at the, the entrance to the tomb. You guys will run off together and, right? Is there some action during Act 4 here? Crazy. Well, what's the twist? She drinks the potion. She gets, she dies but we all know it's not really real. And then Fire Lord sends the letter to Romeo. So the letter's going to Romeo. But Romeo finds out what? My wife's dead? What? No! And he starts, he runs back to town. And the, the, the and you're like, the, the let, the let, no! Right, and we're all like, no! Intrigue, like, no, what's gonna happen? He thinks she's dead, but she's really not dead. It's so, like you have to go to the bathroom where you're just going to wet your pants because you have to stay in the theater because it's that good, right? Are we tracking? Yeah. And that's what's so cool about it. Guess what the difference between a tragedy and a comedy is? A lot, but yes. <laughs> Wait, what's that face? Yeah. Tragedy, everyone gets buried. Comedy, everyone, everyone gets, gets married. married. Right? Hey, what's the face wow. doing for four? The face is, yeah, I don't know what it's doing there. The it's face, like, is it, is it crying? And it's, it's, it's just happy. Happy, happy face. Okay. I'm like, woo, I love, I love Shakespeare, right? Like, so the difference is buried and married, right? But a lot of people think, well, comedies are just all fun and relaxed and happy. Actually, in a comedy, what happens in this twist stuff is the twist ends up being, oh, it's going to be okay. But there's still, if that twist didn't happen, it would be a tragedy, because it's that crazy, right? But, ooh, whoa, we're okay. Versus in the tragedy, the twist is, oh, ah, oh, you missed, your, you made that one choice, and now the consequences end up being tragedy. They're both crazy, they're both intense. One, things work out okay. The other one, things don't work out okay. But it's not that one was obviously going to work out okay and the other one wasn't. See, this, that's, that's what's so intriguing about all of this. So you will get the twist, okay? And in a comedy, it'll be, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. Now they're going to love, she's, oh, it's going to work out because she's going to end up seeing that that's really him and they really love each other. Oh, perfect. Right, okay, so, yeah. 
<laughs> then we get to Act Five. How much time do I have? Because the bell's gonna ring on me here. What do I got? Anybody know? I thought you have like five. I think I have like five to ten. Five to ten. That's all I need. Let's make sure. Oh yeah, we're, we're good. We got like nine minutes. So Act Five. What's he gotta do? The plane is hovering up here in like no grav, zero gravity, and we've gotta do what? You gotta land the plane. You gotta do it. And guess what? Closure. Closure. All right. Real closure. Yes, I know that's you know it's real. And the last one I have here is thing. Okay. The closure in the Greek is called catharsis. Anybody heard the word catharsis? Catharsis is what's called a great purging of emotion. It's the release of the tension. And grit, without tension, there is no story. So what does Shakespeare do? Okay, tension, 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 and more tension, more tension. La, wait, what? where's he going with the tension? And then what does he do with all that tension? He releases the tension. And we're all going, uh, and you're either like bawling your eyes out. Why did these 14 year olds have to die? What the heck? No. So it's, a, it's like a crying. Or you're happy like, oh, I knew that she was going to end up with him. And yeah, they got married. You know, I'm like, ah. But there will be closure. You will have great catharsis. With some Shakespeare plays, you'll be crying and laughing. And that's the face that I have. Is you've got this, you're, you're, now you're like, one eye is all happy. And one eye's like crying over here, you're crying. And this hair is like pulled out on the floor, and this hair is like all beautiful and wavy. And you're over here, you're like, oh, it was the best play ever. I love Shakespeare, you know, I want more. Play it again. Actually, my kids, at the end of the one on Friday night, they wanted to just stay and have them all do it one more time. Like, I'm not actually joking. And you're like, can I just do it again? Can we come tomorrow night? Yeah, no, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right, and so there's this sense of like that story, the closure is so good, right? Here's the key. With Shakespeare, it will be real. Got it? It will be real. That's part of what makes it so valuable and why he's st stood the test of time. Because you know what? Who's been to a funeral? Come on, anybody funeral? Been to a funeral? At funerals? Most of them, is there still some hope? Yes. Generally? Is everybody completely sad? No. No. Like, I, dare, I, dare I say, even in Auschwitz, were some of those survivors able to still have hope? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty bad. You know, like, so in our world, real situations, real tragedies, will still have real what? Hope. Even at the end of Hamlet, 11 bodies on stage. Like, what the heck? There's still hope. Even at the end of Romeo and Juliet, the sun for sorrow, like the sun won't even come out. Right? And some will be pardoned, some will be punished. And then he's like, you know what though? There's never been a story of more woe, but we're left thinking like, those they didn't have to die. Maybe we can have some hope for rebuilding these families, for maybe choosing forgiveness instead of revenge. Like, you're walking away, and is there still some hope at the end of Romeo and Juliet? Hardly any, but is there some? Yeah, and, and who's been to a wedding? And is everybody happy at the wedding? 
Oh, come on, right? The, the girl who's like, I wanted to marry him, you know? Or the dad who, like, hates the guy or whatever. Like, there's always someone who's, like, buzzkill at the wedding, right? And not, not everybody's happy at a wedding or even at the birth of a child. Not everybody's always happy, are they? So even at these great moments in our lives, these great victory moments, at the Olympic Games, there's people who are, like, totally happy. They won the gold medal. And then there's fourth place. You know, it's like, oh, right? Are we tracking and so even in our comedies, even in our best endings, there's still some pain, isn't there? And does Shakespeare know that? Yeah, at the end of Much Ado with Jacques, remember Jacques? Mm -hmm. All throughout the play, we're trying to get this dude to fall in love. We're trying to help him be positive. And over and over and over again, nope, 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 he rejects it. There's weddings at the end. Jacques was invited to the wedding. And at the end, he's like, yeah, see ya. I, yeah, this isn't for me. And you just be like, he walks off the stage, miserable and still grouchy. And you're like, bye. Yeah, I don't see you. Right, like, not, even at the end of A Midsummer Night's Dream, which is one of the most positive plays that he wrote, you still have the dad who's kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this. You know, like, okay, dad. You know. And so there's, it's gonna be real, fair enough? It's actually one of the reasons why Shakespeare invented what we now call the romance. Because is life just a tragedy? No. And is life just a comedy? No. It's kind of what? A mix of those two. And that's what the romance is. is it's a comedy and a tragedy blended together. Where you have marriage at the end, but there's also this pain and death and suffering as well. He wrote like three of them. The Tempest being one of them. Pretty fun. Last thing is he'll make us think. In Romeo and Juliet, he actually says, go think on these things. But isn't it interesting at the end of it, a great movie, some of your best movies that you love, you walk out of the theater, like, that was awesome, that was really entertaining, and, hmm, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, at the end of the Inception, I remember walking out of Inception, I'm like, Where's that little spitty top thing? Like, was that a dream? Where am I? Or, I remember people at the end of Avatar, they're like, I want to go to Avatar. <laughs> like they want to go back to Avatar. It's like it gets you thinking about the world. It gets you thinking about, you know, people and relationships. Even at the end of like Elf, you know, this silly comedy movie, the really good stories at the end, you what? You're thinking about something. Like maybe I really do believe in Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> right? But Shakespeare. It, you can't not think when you leave a Shakespeare play. Right? I'll, I'll give you one moment that I thought was really kind of crazy. Is uh, Down at Shakespeare Theater, they had just finished doing King Lear, and when I started my internship, and one of the things that was famous about that experience is they had, down on Navy Pier and in Chicago, there's a lot of homeless people. The actor, King Lear, dressed in his homeless clothes that he was going to wear during Act 4. And he was out in the lobby. And, and there were a couple other people who were on stage during that time who dressed in their homeless... These are the actors and actresses dressed as homeless people in the clothes they were going to wear during the play when they were homeless. Because King Lear goes homeless, right? And, uh, and there were people like, hey, um, did you know that there's homeless people here in Shakespeare Theater? Can you guys, like, get... Right? And so 
They were telling the, the, the staff to get the homeless people out of the theater because it was awkward for everybody. And then when the lights go down, those actors from the lobby, they started the play by walking in and then walking up on stage. And it was like, awkward. <laughs> like, you know, and then you watch King Lear do this tragedy, lose his kingdom, lose his crown, lose his dignity, become homeless. And everybody's like, then those are the dudes, and oh, like a Shakespeare play will get you to what? Get you to wow. think, right? Powerful, powerful stuff. How are we doing? I, need, I went really fast on purpose, but when you watch a Shakespeare play, or quite frankly, any great story, any great movie, there's going to be some of this kind of stuff. You ready? Yeah? Okay. Um, I was, I'll end with this. This works for any Shakespeare play. I'm going to encourage you to get ready for the party as best you can before you jump into the party. But if you go cold turkey, like I encourage some of you to just go to the play on Friday or Saturday, buckle your seatbelt and hang in there for an hour, right? Tell your friends. Just it's gonna it's gonna be okay, and maybe even walk you through some of this stuff. Does that make sense? But now that you know this. What can you do before you go to Shakespeare Theater or go see a Shakespeare play? At least get some of those first impressions intro. Maybe get, what's the theme? What are some of the themes here? Uh, what's general plot? That doesn't necessarily have to give away the ending. You don't have to, but general plot. So at least the first half hour you go in kind of knowing a little bit of what you're walking into. Fair enough? And then just hang in there until the middle. He'll make it worth your while. And he's, he is a master storyteller, so he knows what he's doing. You guys did a great job today. I think if there's no questions, we're good. Great stuff. All right, we'll see you Thursday. Practice reading some of those opening scenes with some of those tips that I gave you and some of this in mind, and then we're going to jump in with Beanie Babies. You'll act out a summary of the play. We'll process that, and then I have a hunch we might even be able to just jump right into the movie since you will have already done what? read some of it. If we don't jump into the movie on block day, then we'll start the movie Friday, before the weekend. So fun Friday. Alright, see you guys.